0: Have you seen me, Dice Bag? The Grognard Files. Hello, my name is Dirt the Dice, and this is the Grognard Files podcast, talking Bobbins about tabletop RPGs from back in the day and today. This is part two of episode 22, which is all about RuneQuest. It's not so much a follow-up, it's more like a collectible codex. This episode is launched on the third anniversary of the Grogpod, and what's encouraged me the most about producing this bobbins over the years has been hearing the stories of how listeners have started playing again, or how they've discovered new old games after listening to us banging on about them. RuneQuest is no exception. I'm really pleased to have more mob in this part. He brings us up to date with the the recent release of RuneQuest Glorantha and shares Chaosium's plans for how the line is going to develop. Hopefully, you'll be encouraged to discover the world of Glorantha through RuneQuest. It's existed for over 50 years and RuneQuest was first released 40 years ago and since then there's been copious amounts of material produced for the setting. Lots of people are discouraged by the sheer volume of background material. People want to do it right and feel that unless they know the gods, the myths, the battles, the heroes and the micro-details, Glorantha cannot be enjoyed. Blithey joins me in the room of role-playing rambling to share tips on how to get started and get playing in Glorantha. Earlier this year, I played RuneQuest with Skeptic Baz from the Smart Party. He was put off by basket weaving and kite flying. But along with his counterpart Gaz from the Smart Party podcast and Matt Hart from Steamforged Games, we did the any award winning quick start adventure, The Broken Tower. I've included here a short actual play. A Diana Jones award winning actual play. That, that's how that works, isn't it? After that, Just blithely returns and we discuss the creation of his very first character for RuneQuest G. I'll bit the end with an anniversary hobnob, and you might need it because it's another big un. Ramblers, let's get rambling. More Mob! Okay, welcome back to uh, Mob. Hello, Mob.
1: Hey, Dirk! <laughs> what are we going to talk about now?
0: Three years ago, I. Uh, launched this podcast and the first episode I did was about RuneQuest because it had such an impact on me as a gamer uh, back in the early 80s. And in that, in that opening uh, podcast, I was telling the news of Moon Design buying into the management of KCM and their plans to return RuneQuest to Glorantha. And three years later, that's that's happening.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, it, it has. In fact, yeah. we... Uh... We launched Room Quest G, as we call it. Um, PDF has now been out for about a month and uh, has been a great success. Definitely exceeded our expectations. It's also received, I guess you could say, a critical acclaim as well, which is very gratifying.
0: I mean, it looks amazing, and it's uh, amazing to play. Now, my the constituency of uh, people who listen to my Podcasts are uh, gamers who used to play back in the day who are returning. Um, why, why, should they, why should they reach out?
1: For people that have played RuneQuest before, this is a uh, set of rules that are backwardly compatible with the releases that came out for RuneQuest 2. Because the RQG rules are very much built on the chassis of RuneQuest 2. The reason why that was done is Greg Stafford, back in the day, was actually working on a new edition of RuneQuest, which was going to have a lot of the elements that we've put into RuneQuest G. When the Avalon Hill deal was made and the decision was made, and Chaosium was part of that decision to turn RuneQuest into a generic rule set, a lot of those elements were taken out. And I'm talking about things like runic associations and passions and so on. So we've now put that all back in to the new edition of RuneQuest. It's essentially what RuneQuest would have become if, in an alternate history, the Avalon Hill deal hadn't have gone through. Greg then went off and put a lot of those elements into another role-playing game, which was called Pendragon. So we like to think that, uh, in fact, this is a logical progression from what happened in RuneQuest 2. The great thing is if you if you own those RuneQuest 2 materials, uh, a lot of that is immediately playable with this new rule set as well. We, we think that this is a, a, a long and historic tradition going all the way back to, to, to what RuneQuest was in that uh, second edition phase. We also have conversion notes for converting characters and NPCs from the second edition and the third edition to, to RuneQuest G, which is a very simple process.
0: And it does retain a lot of the great things that made RuneQuest um good, like the grit and the blow-by-blow blow action, augmented, to use one of the expressions, by um, actually involving the runes, isn't it, into in, into the action?
1: Yeah, you, you know, uh, the game is called RuneQuest. The hint's in the name. Um, so I think it's a really cool thing that the runes now become a central aspect of how your character interacts with the world. So player characters... And NPCs all identify with certain runes, and you and you use your affinity or association with that runes affects how you use your magic. That, that affects how you interact with others and interact with the gods and the world. So you can be strong in certain runes, and uh, and weak in others, and you can change those as play progresses. I think that's a really wonderful addition. To the rules, and that was certainly something that Greg was working on with the what was going to happen in the new uh, version of the game, so it's it's great that that's now back, particularly as it's called, Rune Quest. so there you go.
0: And I, th- I think another aspect of the rules that really work well because as you say it's built on the chassis of um, RuneQuest 2 but it addresses some of the issues with magic, doesn't it, because uh, Glorantha is a wonderfully magic uh, setting um, but it always felt a little mechanical in the uh, previous uh, edition of the rules. This really does free it up and um, allows a bit more access to Rune Magic and um, it feels more more fitting with the setting.
1: Well, I'm glad you think so. And, and I think that that's a, <clears throat> a significant change <clears throat> between RuneQuest 2 and RuneQuest G is that initiates... So this is like lower level characters that you would you would start out playing. They can use their their divine magic, their rune magic from the gods in a reusable way. So you get you get that back um, at the end of the season or, or whatever. The other is we've we've changed it so that characters now have rune points. So you can use any uh, of the rune magic that's available from your god. In the old rules, you actually had to decide which spell you sacrificed for, and then you could use that, and that was it. So a case in point being, in RuneQuest uh, 2 and 3, there is an Orlanth Rune Magic spell or Divine Magic spell called Wind Words, which is, um, in many respects, an amazingly useless piece of Divine Magic to sacrifice for. If that's, if that's the only choice you have. It enables you to send a message on the wind to somebody downwind. And in um, Strangers in Prax, in the scenario I wrote for that, I created a situation where finally, at last, there was a use for that spell. And it was very frustrating in the editing process Ken decided, you know, that spell is so useless, we're not going to do that, and he changed it from uh, the characters use Wind Words to send a secret message to, I think, using Mind Link or something like that. I was very disappointed that that was taken out. In the new uh, RuneQuest G, you absolutely could use Wind Words because you don't have to sacrifice for it as your choice of a spell, and then you don't get to use any others. So you have the full suite of magic available, I think that just brings a whole lot more uh, interesting narrative choices to how you interact with the world and, and do things.
0: I've run the uh, Quickstart adventure um, uh, several times now. Uh, each time, uh, the players have found an inventive way of using the magic um, during during the game, and that's that's surprised me every time. So uh, that's that's a really good addition to the game, I think.
1: It's, it's definitely one of the major changes that are made between the editions, but I think it's a, a wonderful change, only makes play art more imaginative and deep and exciting. Of course, one thing that everyone has to remember is, and this also goes way back to the origins of the game if the player characters get to do this, so do the non-player characters and absolutely. monsters. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely.
2: <Yeah. laughs>
1: and, and Greg Stafford said way back in 1978, if the adventurers are slaughtered or run screaming, don't forget the monsters get experience roles too. Yes. That, that I think, was a very revolutionary thing to to write in 1978 when standard sort of adventuring was... You know, a party of adventurers would go into a dungeon which would have rooms full of random monsters that you would basically kill and take their loot and, and move on. Um, whereas I think even even the RuneQuest dungeons, as they were written in those days, really had a logical reason for uh, the denizens of a dungeon to be where they are and what they're doing. And again, as Greg says, if you don't succeed they might get better too and I think that's trying to say everybody everybody in this world is a is a real person they're not just a plot device this came about if, if you saw uh, we bought out something called the old school uh, RuneQuest pack and we found an adventure that was written by Greg in 1978 that was sitting in the files called the Sea Cave have you seen that one Dirk?
0: I have seen that and I've actually run that uh, a couple of times too
1: Ah, oh, right. right. Yeah. Well, you would know then that, uh, that that kind of is a dungeon. Yeah. In that the player characters go inside some uh, caves by the sea. But I, I, I think that all of the denizens there have a reason for being there. Yes. And and uh, an ecology and a life of their own.
0: And uh, there's conflict within the coexistence depending on how they're encountered. It could shift how that encounter unfolds depending on. When, when it happens because it's a, it's a living, breathing place.
1: And the other cool thing I think about it is there's no warm-up fights in RuneQuest. There's no mook fights. Every fight could be your last. And I love, I love the sense of that. And also, you could encounter the big bad at the very beginning. And sometimes the uh, best thing to do is run away or hide or work out another way of, of solving the problem. I like, for example, in the Broken Tower scenario for RQG... You can actually play that entire final culmination of that adventure. You don't have to get involved in combat in that, but you can still satisfactorily resolve it in an exciting way.
0: Yep, yeah, you can just take the cows and run.
1: You, you could. <laughs> um, I, I like the fact that when we were playing play testing that, that uh, some of uh, the players that I play tested with said, "This has got a bit of a Call of Cthulhu vibe." It definitely to
0: it. has. Yeah, it definitely has.
1: And and one of the solutions, actually, to that scenario is to become a cultist yes. at the end. Yeah, uh, I, I also like the fact that that scenario, the, the big bad in that isn't evil. It's just different. It's got its own perspective. Shades of grey in terms of good evil uh, and morality in RuneQuest and Glorantha, which are interesting things to explore as well. Same thing came out with the Lunar Coders, who... Serve the Lunar Empire, but are not in themselves evil. So you've got
0: us old Grognards. Uh, you need to appeal to as you, as you say. You'll, you've got the Golantha enthusiasts who will hopefully buy the product anyway. And we mentioned that uh, other group of people that you need to reach out to. So uh, new players to um, Golantha and uh, RuneQuest. So what, what, are your, what are your strategies for dealing with that?
1: Well, you know, there's one big group of people out there, a surprisingly big group, that know about Glorantha and don't necessarily know anything about it as a role-playing game setting, and that's people that have played the King of Dragon Pass uh, mobile game. Um, So King of Dragon Pass is a mobile game that amazingly was first launched in 1999 as a point-and-click computer game and came and and was re-relaunched a few years ago as a mobile game to be played on uh, iPads and and phones and so on and has been phenomenally successful so incredibly there are probably more particularly younger people today that know about Glorantha as a setting from playing King of Dragon Pass than playing it as a role-playing game that's definitely an audience that we want to reach out to there's also a sequel to King of Dragon Pass which is going to be launched called Six Ages And that's also going to uh, draw people into Glorantha and knowing about the world. So my kids, for example, my my eldest boy actually was one of the playtesters for six ages and and rused the fact that he was the second person to finish playing the game to its conclusion because he stopped playing for uh, about 10 days because I think he had exams and then came on and finished the game in about two hours and discovered that someone else, one of the other playtests had finish it about uh, a day earlier. So he was, he was very disappointed he was the second. But he and his brother had actually played King of Dragon Pass and knew all about the gods and hero quests and things like that from playing it on their iPads uh, before they'd actually played RuneQuest. And uh, David Dunham, the creator of King of Dragon Pass, was quite surprised that I, I said my. I, my eight-year-old, as he was at the time, was actually playing uh, King of Dragon Pass and and enjoying it. it had, it's quite intensive for reading, so it was very very good for him to to do that. And of course, it's very engaging as well. So we feel that uh, that is a very very effective vector for getting people then to try the uh, role-playing game experience. What we also want to do is we need to reach out to other role-playing game fans who are playing other role-playing games and tell them to try RuneQuest as a different experience. And I think the key ways that we do that is we point out some of the uh, fundamental differences I guess you could say between playing a D20-type game and playing a D100 game like like RuneQuest. And I think some of those differences are that RuneQuest doesn't have levels, doesn't have alignments, doesn't have character classes. The combat is uh, visceral, exciting, and deadly. Player characters' destinies are very much in the hands of the players. You can shape your characters as you take them forward in their own way. And these are interesting differences between that and how uh, a lot of D20 games work. So these are good things to point out. I would rather point out the cool features of RuneQuest rather than be, you know, dissing the features of, of other games, though.
0: Is, is it right, uh, Mob, that you're credited with coming up with the idea of maximum game fun?
1: I, I won't say that I'm necessarily credited. I, I might say I, I help popularise that <clears throat> that term. But maximum game fun is, is the sense that, you know, in any situation when you're playing the game, you want it to be an enjoyable experience for people so so factor that into anything that happens in the narrative experience if you need to tweak the game to do so then by all means do so i think if you tie that mgf as we call it with your glorantha may vary or or later on actually greg went further than that and said your glorantha will vary if you put those two factors in i think you can make it a enjoyable experience for for everybody and you know we actively endorse both those principles. If you want to change your Glorantha that you role play in in all sorts of ways, absolutely fine. If you want to house roll sorry, house rule the RuneQuest rules in your own way, great. We have no problem with that at all. So we're going to have, I guess you could say a, a, a canon of how we are portraying Glorantha and the timeline and things like that in our products that that need to be consistent. But if you want to take that and do different things with it, we have no problems with that at all. Go for your life.
0: I think um, what you were saying about Sun County, sometimes it's good to run your adventures on the fringes of the stuff that's happening. And so that you've got more freedom. So if you're a new player to Glorantha, it's good to be on the edges, isn't it? To set adventures away in places where you can feel comfortable with before you engage with some of the meatier parts of the history and the, uh, and, and the mythology.
1: Sure. And and also, um, if you ever play a character that, that comes from the fringes, they can ask all sorts of naive questions because they don't know. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, and then, But if you want to have a character that's in the thick of it and you want to change the timeline, the chronology, you want to bring in some sort of other real-world historical analogies, as I said, we don't care. Do what, you, do what you want with the setting. Greg was very, very clear from that from the very beginning with your Glorantha may vary. And as I said, he actually took that further and said, your Glorantha will vary. Yeah, and we are we are perfectly fine with people doing that because we want people to have fun. Because if we're not we're not having fun doing this, what's the point of doing it?
0: And the and the new rule book looks uh, looks superb. I've uh, I've looked through the PDF, and uh, when this is released in in August,
1: um, we've released RuneQuest G already in PDF, and it's available from either Chaosium or uh, Drive RPG. If you buy it from uh, Chaosium.com... We have an interesting model where if you buy the PDF from us, we will get when the physical book is out, we will give you a coupon which gives you the full price of the PDF off the physical book. And we'll start doing the uh, release of the books, particularly to people who bought the PDFs in August. So we use a model at uh, Chaosium where we print our books uh, in China And then they are sent from Hong Kong to our warehouses. And we've got warehouses in the United States, the UK and Australia. So we distribute from those three locations.
0: So what are the plans for for the the next releases?
1: The next release we are going to do is the bestiary, which is a collection of all the uh, creatures and player character races and so on that you can meet. I think there's over 200 after that. We're going to be bringing out a GM pack, which is going to have a GM screen and some more adventures in it, in a similar sort of uh, approach. We've also got uh, in the works a second RuneQuest Quick Start, which again has more adventures to play in. I know that Jeff is in the middle at the moment of updating a classic adventure from the original RuneQuest... Actually, it's from the original Apple Lane supplement. It's the Rainbow Mounds. Oh, really? Really? Brilliant. As uh, updating that for RQG. And that um, we're going to have available as a free download from our website as well. We are very, very conscious that one of the reasons why RuneQuest 3 did not succeed as a a vehicle for Glorantha is Sun County was brought out in uh, 1991... So that was eight years after the release of RuneQuest 3. They finally released some new scenario material for it. People have been waiting eight years for something new to play. We are very, very conscious that that is not a good model. So we want to have lots and lots of new material to play from the, from the, from the get-go. Um, the other thing that we have announced, and that's this is also going to be coming out very soon, is the return of the House magazine Wyrm's Footnotes. Oh, and man. that is a magazine about Glorantha. Moon uh, Design Publications did bring back issue 15 in 2012 after a mere 32-year hiatus. That all of a sudden is, uh, you know, five or six years ago. We've now re re bought it back we're using a model where we're having guest editors put that together i'm actually uh very much involved in the uh putting together of that we have a new issue for that that's going to come out in the next uh month or so as well and that's going to be a vehicle for sharing gloranthin material not just written by us but also written by uh, fans and contributors. And it's also a great vehicle for people to show their writing chops for writing stuff for us going into the future. The other thing that we are thinking about doing, we don't have a definite date for this, but it's, it's something we have very strongly in mind, is you may have seen for Call of Cthulhu, we have launched a community content resource on DriveThruRPG called the Miskatonic Repository. This is where people can write their own Call of Cthulhu material, put it up for sale on DriveThruRPG. You can set a price for it, you can make it uh, a price, you can make it pay as you want, you can make it free, it's up to you. That is a community content resource, it's a bit like the DM's Guild for Dungeons & Dragons. We are looking at, at some point uh, in the next year, um, setting up a similar resource for Glorantha. And that might cover all the different role playing games that are set in that world, which is RuneQuest, HeroQuest, Glorantha, and 13th Age.
0: See see I think that'd be a really good resource because um for new Gamesmasters and for all Gamesmasters, one of the challenges of running uh RuneQuest is uh, having a stock of uh, non player characters available uh, to use. Then that's a place where people can put them, isn't it? Some Reddit uh, fan made foes or fan made fangs.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and scenarios as well and yeah. you know, new cult whatever. And that would also be a non-canonical resource you can just MGF and your Glorantha will vary as that as much as you like we, 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 we happily endorse that so from that we might take some of that material and then turn that into official releases or talk to people who write there and say hey we love your stuff would you like to do XY or, or Z with us okay. so that that's that's in the planning Look, we've got to get RQG out ourselves first before we, we move on to that, that next level. But I'm, I've been really happy with the way the Miskatonic repository is going. And so we can definitely see that as a, a possibility for, for RuneQuest or Glorantha as well.
0: And I can't, I can't let you go without uh, asking one thing, because a lot of uh, my listeners have asked me to ask this question. Is there going to be a return of the Tales of Mythic Adventure podcast?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And you know what? I loved doing that, and so did Jeff. A- as you know, <laughs> we, um, we, now, we now are part of the management of Chaosium. We have so much going on. It was just getting really difficult to find the time to, to put that together. However, we do appreciate and understand that that is a really effective way for reaching people that love the stuff we're doing and people who are curious. So one of the things that I've been working on in recent months is trying to increase our digital presence. So um, we have a new member of our team called Jamie and he's been helping us you may have seen the videos that Jeff and Jason have done introducing RuneQuest Yeah, did some actual play with encounter roleplay for the new RQG we've got a, a revivified YouTube page and the, the number of subscribers have really kicked up on that and so the next thing on our list I'm actually going to be talking to Jamie about this later this week is the return of our podcast because we know that that's an important way to, to reach people so a big part of that is just uh, getting effective time management it is something we are aware that people really enjoyed and would like to have have back and it's something we want to have back I think,
0: um, I think I think what people enjoyed about it was um, both of you displaying your enthusiasm for grandther and uh, riffing ideas off each other of various places I particularly enjoyed the one you did about uh, not chat for example
1: yeah well I I think it's a I think it's a great vehicle to, to riff for ideas and get feedback from others and so on so we, we are very conscious that um, it would be a good thing to do again one of the biggest challenges we have of uh, of doing things, and, and you'd appreciate this, Dirk, because I believe it's like about one yeah, about, nearly two o'clock. Morning. Yeah, yeah. You could say the sun never sets on chaosy, and we could also say the sun never rises because <laughs> we are we are spread about the world. So uh, one of our challenges is getting a time together when we are all uh, awake and, and, and able to do this. Because I'm here in Melbourne, Australia, Jeff as you know, is in Berlin, as is Jason, by the way, so that, that's that's why they could sit in that room together to, to talk about RuneQuest. Rick is in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Neil is in uh, Seattle. Mike Mason is in uh, the UK. So is uh, Lynn Hardy. So we are very well spread around the world. So one of our challenges is getting our uh, <clears throat> our heads all together uh, in a in a convenient time zone. Poor Jeff when he did the live play for uh, Encounter Roleplay. That has to be on at a particular scheduled time for the eastern states of the U.S., so he was running that uh, that live play session from two thirty in the morning his time to five thirty in the morning, which I think was extremely heroic. Of yes, him.
0: That, that's a real hero quest. Well,
1: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, the
0: the only thing about tales of mythic adventure, I was never convinced that uh, no ducks were harmed in the making of it.
1: <laughs> um, no, no, the ducks were okay. We have had. I'm, I'm going to say, we, I've I've set up a new. Uh, regular set of posts about reviews of note that we've got about different releases. And I put one up recently about uh, the reviews that we've got for RuneQuest. All of the reviews have been, have been wonderful, which is, which is great. Except we did get a really weird comment on drive through RPG where someone complained about the very unpleasant pig sacrifice picture on a particular page. That was a really weird comment, particularly when you uh, go to the actual picture and see that, uh, you know, you could you could very easily say the pig is just happily having a nice nap. There's no blood. There's nothing. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, and it's it's a wonderful picture as well. It's real. It's probably my favourite in the whole of the uh, book. It's uh, full of atmosphere and luminous.
1: But, but but clearly, no pigs were harmed in the creation of that image. <laughs> so, people love the the artwork. We are very very lucky that we. Came across an artist called Andre Fetasov. So he's he's the one that's done a lot of those uh, large pictures that, that's in the book. Mm. He also did the cover art as well. And we discovered Andre. Um, I don't know Dirk if you've seen Call of Cthulhu the colouring book. I have, yes. I worked with uh, with Andre on that, and, and he actually came from being a, a Lovecraft fan. He's he's from uh, Moscow in Russia. He really knew nothing about RuneQuest or, or Glorantha at all before um, we thought we'd see if he could uh, drew, do some pictures for us for, for for Glorantha. He initially did some of the art that appears in 13th Age, and then, of course, we've brought him across to do the, the stuff for, for RQG, and I think his stuff is, is way up there with the those glorious covers of... Uh, the RuneQuest Renaissance done by Roger Raup, like the cover of Sun County and River of Cradles and Shadows on the Borderlands and so on. I love the rich details. I love the fact that you can look at a lot of those pictures and and, and place yourself as a player character in those situations. I think that's the most powerful and evocative for me.
0: Absolutely. And I, if anything else, I want to enthuse people to start playing RuneQuest Glorantha, Imagining yourself as a player character in Glorantha. No, knows your chance to do that
1: yeah yeah i think this is a wonderful time to be a a role-playing gamer of, of pretty much anything it's it's just so big but RuneQuest is back and uh i think it's bigger and better than ever before and we want uh we want as many people to engage engage with it as they can and we've got lots of ways you can do it too
0: well thank you very much mob it's been great uh, having you and thanks for spending the time with us
1: Oh well, thanks for staying up so late to talk to me as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. Just Judge Blythe, welcome to the room of roleplaying rambling, where I'm joined by our resident rules lawyer, Judge Blythe.
2: Hello, Blythe. Hello, Dirk.
0: Now uh, this time you've left your legal syrup at your ancestral home in Little Wigan. Uh, describe mm-hmm. what you you civies, uh, Judge Blythe. What do you wear? What do you wear when you you know you casual? I'm never casual. Tweed, the tweed suit comes out. So this time you're not you're not ruling, you're rolling.
2: I like what you've done there.
0: Yeah, because we're going to do two sections um, for this for this part of uh, the episode. And first of all, we're going to answer a burning question from our listeners, and then in the second bit, we're going to roll your first ever RuneQuest Glorantha character since beginning this podcast three years ago. This very month. Uh, there's a question that keeps cropping up again and again from our listeners, people who contact me. And um, do you know what that question is?
2: Go on. No. It's not what a Judge, judge Blythe wear when he's casual, is it? Because you've just answered that.
0: No, it's not that one. I think oh. that. I think that. I think that's number five. Um,
2: number five.
0: Okay. Yeah. Number one <laughs> is why do you speak so slowly? So number two is where do I start with Glorantha? And it is, a, it is a pressing question, isn't it? Because even back in the day, um, I think we've talked about previously, and particularly Daily Dwarf has mentioned that kind of overwhelming feeling that you had to do Glorantha right.
2: It's a, it's a kind of an eternal RPG problem, isn't it? Because it's a funny one, isn't it? Because on the one hand, I would say it's not that difficult to get into a Galanthor. But I think it, once you're in there, it, it kind of it sort of overwhelms you a bit. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's not difficult to set up a, a game of role playing in Pavis or Sartar or whatever, and you know, be, be some Sartar rebels against the evil Lunar Empire, or be uh, some you know Stormball cultists who go down a Chaos nest and kill things. I mean, all that's pretty easy and straightforward and a lot of fun. And it's the problem we we had when we started, wasn't it? That we started playing RuneQuest and we started playing in Grolantha and had a lot of fun. But gradually, it does a kind of strange pincer movement on you, doesn't it? And <laughs> before you know it, you're kind of scratching your head about, oh, I don't know, we're going to meet some Aldrami now or some Mustali or what? Did, what did the dragon newts do? What's all that? I'm going to bring some dragon newts yeah. into it, but I'm but I'm not sure what they do or what they're there for. I see, I don't, I,
0: I don't think it's so much the races. I think it's the... well,
2: not, not necessarily the races, but that's an example, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. There's cultures and there's a depth. So monsters in in Galantha. So, so in D- D-, D D you'd have lizard men and they're pretty straightforward. Um they're not particularly complicated. Uh, but in, in Galantha, Dragon nukes are are complicated in that there is a there'll be a background somewhere, won't there? You yeah. know, there'll be some there'll be some stuff written somewhere about all the ins and outs of you know the Dragon max Backside, or something like that. So you yeah. have to kind of feel like you have to know it. And that's the root of the problem. Yeah, I think In and
0: Out of a Dragon Eats Backside was by Mongoose, so it's not canon. But.
2: Yeah, well, that's, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah?
0: You see, I, I think. I think that is part of the problem. So the idea of the ecology of the monsters. But I think it's just that there's so many names and so many contradictory stories, and just so much stuff that's been written over the years that you feel mm. that you need to know it all. I think I've used this anecdote before, but I've been I went to a convention and around the table, the uh, gamesmaster asked, "What's your familiarity with Glorantha?" And nobody dared admit that they knew anything about it. So, you know, there was like this tentative thing where people were wanting to put their hands up um, to, you know... <laughs> yeah, I know a little bit. And I, I knew yeah. that people around there, you know, totally familiar with it, but there's this feeling that you need to be a scholar um, to really appreciate it. And I, I, I am concerned about that when it comes to the new game because... I, you know, I've encountered people who've already made their minds up about Glorantha and that it's not for them. And I don't want them to miss the opportunity of playing this game and playing, rediscovering uh, Glorantha or discovering it for the first time. Because when, when we first started playing, you know, what you had to do, there was very little in the original rule book, wasn't there, about Glorantha. You had to work it out from the example play in Rurik. You had to work it out from the monsters and the sample cult that they gave you. And then that's all you had, really. And you had to use your imagination and playing together to expand from that.
2: Yeah, and and you come back to that thing, don't you, about any role-playing setting. All all settings have this problem, don't they? The problem with Golarion is because it's so detailed and there's such a kind of history behind it, it becomes intimidating to, to play it your way, which you can, because it is made up. Yeah. It is made up and when you're playing in Galantha nine times out of ten it's just you and your friends around the kitchen table doing stuff in an imaginary world. So you are allowed to do what you want. But you're right it does feel it's a strange kind of itch that you can't scratch sort of thing with Galantha. I mean it's a different game but I recently bought Galan- Hero Quest Galantha. Now, I think Hero Quest has a really neat summary of Galantha within it it's quite a neat summary, and I thought to myself, "This is really good. This, you know, you you could buy this, and you know, it, it's worth buying even if you're not going to play Hero Quest, because it gives you a, a, an affordable, accessible gateway into Golantha. But then I sat there and I thought, "Oh yeah, there's that big guide to Golantha, isn't there? And there's the big, there's the big two-volume thing that's about a hundred quid. Maybe I need that. Maybe I need that because that'll have things in it that I don't know that aren't in this." It starts to does start to kind of go round, but it's but it's a it is a bad way to think about it because, like you say, you can just wade into it and do your own thing by and large because it is is a game, it's not, it's not like I don't know, you're not altering the real world, are you?
0: No, no, and so this, so in answer to this burning question that. Um, we keep getting how do you get started i've got three tips to begin with so if you pick up this great rule book so let's get that out of the way first because i am a rune quest zealot i'm not a glorantha zealot i'm a rune quest zealot there's um, a difference there, there's a yeah. difference but i think the two things go hand in hand of course you can't have RuneQuest without Glorantha, of course you can't. But now you've got these different flavours, you mentioned Hero Quest, and that can do scaled, expansive ideas and concepts and story, uh, and you can do some great things with Hero Quest. Uh, there's the 13th Age in Glorantha, which is a lot simpler, so if you're completely new to it, maybe that's a good way to start, because it's uh, F20s and it? it's using D&D rules, And it it is a bit more straightforward. Uh, I'm just going to think of this scene. So this scene where your face is in the mud. You've got a spear point in your shoulder. There's an ogre standing above you. And you send a crackle of energy into its head. Before pulling at the spear. And shoving it into his groin. That's RuneQuest. That's what it's about. It's about those moments. Those little moments. And you don't need the grand narratives that are behind it to just enjoy those moments danger and sense of uh you know sense of jeopardy because you know one day you might be riding through the town as a rune lord, the next day you might get impaled on a spear through an unlucky roll and that's (laughs) that to me is, is is what make is why i'm a rune quest zealot
2: Just to clarify as well, the uh, the spear in the shoulder—it is the left shoulder, isn't it? It
0: is the left shoulder, of course. It is
2: left left (laughs) arm, left leg, and left arm. They were always hit, get hit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, those moments, those you against the world and an individual in the world—that's why it works well with Call of Cthulhu because you know the bones of it are in RuneQuest, aren't they?
2: Mm. But I think you're right. Of all the games we've played it's the one that if you if you want to simulate combat, it, it probably does it the best, I think. Yeah. There are, there are, there are games that try and simulate combat more, um, but there's a tipping point, isn't there, with simulationist yeah. games that it tips into becoming unplayable. And I think, Rune, we've, I think we've always said this, haven't we, that RuneQuest strikes the balance between playability and realism. Yeah, so it does feel like a real fight. You know, you hit. You have hit locations. There are consequences. So if you are hitting the left leg, you fall over. You're on the floor. The, those kind of realistic things going on there. Um, but at the same time, it is playable. You can play it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does. Have its, it does its problems. It's the scalability thing can be a problem, as you said. Hero mm-hmm. Quest does that better. Uh, so you can end up with lots lots of npcs lots of player characters lots of dice rolls it can get a little bit cumbersome but I, but again i think the reason we've always enjoyed it is because back in the day we never had many players and it works really well for people who don't have a lot of players i think because yeah. combat can be quite a lengthy business can't it yeah and that that's quite good when you've got one or you know two two or three just two or three players because it makes more of an event of it Okay. I think it becomes a bit cumbersome when you've got lots and lots of players.
0: Okay, this is my these are my uh top three tips for people who want to get into Glorantha and start playing with RuneQuest role playing in glorantha I'm gonna run them past you now Blythe and then I'm gonna okay. go in some detail are you ready. Um, mm-hmm. first off, start playing as soon as possible. Do not delay. Pick up the rule book and start playing. Number two discover the world together and number three avoid the forums okay? <laughs> so
3: <laughs> Yes.
0: Yeah, okay. So let's let's go through each of one of those. So start playing the game as soon as possible. Cause I think that's uh, what struck me with people who have picked up the source book or the guide to Glantha. Um there is actually nothing in this uh, robot, this uh, role playing in Granth. The, the gazetteer for Grantha is fantastic and the maps are uh, the best I've seen uh, in, uh, in this new, new edition. So you don't, you don't need anything else. Um, so just get playing. Uh,
2: that, that, comes back, that comes back to my argument, doesn't it? That don't lose sight of the fact that it is just you and your friends playing a role playing okay. game. Exactly, and having, having fun together, using your imagination. It sounds a bit of an obvious thing to say, but I sometimes think people who are, who are intimidated by Golantha kind of forget that. In, in the same way that it, it it works both ways, doesn't it? The people who, and I know you're going to come on to this, but the people who perhaps enjoy intimidating people with their knowledge of Golantha have lost sight of the fact that it's supposed to be fun uh, and it's a role-playing game for people to enjoy. In the same way that people who are scared of or are intimidated by Golantha sometimes lose sight of that. You know, it is a game to be played. If, if you do something in a game of, of RuneQuest and Golantha, you know, I know the Lunar, the Lunar Soldiers are wearing the wrong colour cloaks or something. Now, the, Greg Stafford's not going to knock on your door come and have a word with you, is he? Yeah. Now, the, the Golantha police aren't waiting outside the Golantha detective van. Yeah, the radar.
0: So <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna start uh, rolling a character um late in the second part of this, um, and in this uh, game in this new edition they do front load all the mythology uh, right at the beginning, um, so my next my next tip as part of starting play starting playing as soon as possible is use the pre gens. So they provide some pre-generated characters as part Mm -hmm. of it. You can also get um, the same um, pre-generated characters as part of the Quick Start that's available free on the KRCM website. Just use them um, because you know creating characters will come to see later is fun, but it's going to delay you because there'll be avenues of inquiry whilst you're building up the (laughs) back the background. (laughs) To your character yeah. that you'll want to explore. So, to avoid that, use the pre-gens for your first games.
2: Well, yeah, I think you're right there because the character creation—I've had a look at it, and it is a—it is a lot of fun. It looks like it's a lot of fun. But it's kind of a lot of fun if you know a bit about Galantha. Um, so, yeah, I think creating a character before you start playing might be a little off-putting. But like you say it might might take you down certain avenues that you might not be particularly helpful, so yeah. Start playing with the pregen, yeah, and then create a character when you're a bit more familiar with it,
0: yeah. And then the next thing is just picking up what you're you're saying. You know that um, don't don't make it too complicated. So uh, the bestries come out, and you know as I said earlier, you know our first encounters with Glorantha was just enjoying the exotic and weirdness of some of the. Uh, races that are in there and mm. some of the uh, monsters so you yeah. know start with that, start with uh, just, I've got the best way here so let's uh, let's have a look what we've got so you could scroll down here so yeah, you could your first adventure could be returning a dragonborn uh, clanth to a dragonute colony yeah and yeah. barter for something in return you know that's just yeah. plucked, plucked from the pages of the bestiary because the bestiary is really good. It's got really good consistent uh, artwork, but it's also got little bits of flavour to each of the ecology of things. So that that's another one.
2: Well, like you said, that that's the thing, isn't it? It a lot of the background, the ecology, and the cultural stuff, is just window dressing. Yeah. At the end of the day you're doing stuff that you do in all fantasy role-playing games, aren't you? Yeah. But I think... People doing this, doing that. It's it's all... It, I, don't, I don't want to say it's standard stuff. That That's a bit... I, that's doesn't, That sounds a bit negative to say it's standard stuff. But what I mean is, as you said, you, you can go and fight some monsters and negotiate with some trolls or some dragon newts or something like that um, and have a lot of fun without worrying too much about all the detailed stuff.
0: Is is and, another and one. even
2: even even when I think even when you even when you've been playing in Golantha for a long time. I mean we did, didn't we? We back in the day we played in Engryantha all the time and, and you bought all the supplements, troll pack and all the other stuff. But a lot of our games were still fighting stuff. And it doesn't really matter, does it, all the other stuff?
0: I've got I've got another one here. So one of the races, um they were just really referred to as dwarves in the back in the day. But the Mustali and the drawings of the Mustali in the new book are really good because apart from the cover, the cover makes them look like uh, Tolkien-esque. But inside they have the weirdness and uh, some of the creations that they have because they're a bit more, uh, a bit of a strange uh, race that coexists exist with uh, the rest of the people uh, uh, on Glantha. So it'd be good to encounter one of those just to give your um, players a sense of the weirdness. So you could have one that's a uh, lost above ground and they have to return uh, to the conclave underground. And it's in the middle of a copse mm. um, occupied by the Aldromi, the elves. Or you can just, uh, as you say, just head to the cliffs and steal some scorpion men eggs. You know, they...
2: <laughs> yeah, you can, yeah. You can do stuff like that, and you'll, you'll have a good time.
0: <laughs> you'll have a good time. You'll have a time. So, so, so that's my that's my first tip summed up. Just get playing.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. because the other thing, as I said earlier, the the combat in RuneQuest. So, you don't need to set up something too complicated because combat can be quite lengthy and quite eventful as well. Yeah. So, combat can be an event in itself, isn't it? Because there's all sorts of things that can happen: hit locations, fumbles. Magic or all, all those things that make a can make a simple adventure quite eventful. So you don't have to worry too much initially about it being overly complicated, no. because the, the the system will provide color and events. I think.
0: So next, uh, my next tip was discover the world together, um, and what I mean by that is, um, I think like mob. Uh, said in the last uh, part of the uh, episode, if you stick like some county, something on the edges of uh, of Galanthal, or uh, edge of um, Dragon Pass, or in some place, um so just look at the map and just put it somewhere out of the way. You can just do stuff without worrying about whether you know you're a lost Badger tribe of.
4: Um, <laughs>
0: the foothills are an acceptable uh, acceptable things
3: badger tribe good god not
2: the giant badgers they not introduced <laughs> them I think, they the I, I won't have it
0: i i, I they they're not in there but i'll put badges in because my in my will vary but yeah just yeah, the...
2: no, they do don't they and, yeah. no, you're right that that is another thing to do and and we always we always used to do things like that find just there's plenty of places in Galantha, that you can just stick an adventure. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it, it's detailed, but it's not that detailed. You know, there's always places. But but you, you're right in the sense that that's people's, some people's inclination, isn't it? To, we're playing in Galantha, so let's set it in Pervis. Let's set it here. Let's set it in Bouldholm. Let's set it wherever and pick places that are quite detailed. And in a way, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot, aren't you? Because you're picking somewhere. That's yeah. got a lot of background and immediately, immediately intimidating. Whereas if you pick somewhere in some backwater,
0: yeah, and you,
2: you it kind of do what you want,
0: really. And it just means that you can avoid doing that dump of information about the yeah. town or the city where you uh, the location is. It the other the other thing, the way that Griffin Mountain worked was it's just a hex crawl, isn't it? It's just on it. Yeah. Part of Joe Myth's uh, caravan is one of the routes through it. You're part of a caravan. You just wandering from place to place discovering it yeah. in a sense
2: yeah. yeah yeah
0: another another um good tip is to have one of uh, the characters uh, a Lankar my scribe or um you know an explorer scout so you're giving them an excuse to look up things
2: mm. yeah
0: you know so as you as you're discovering places it's a good it's a good way for the players actually to just Find out things rather than you having to say everything that's happening, yeah, discover the world together, I think that's the that's the important thing you know, mm. and it'll grow by osmosis you know as as we'll go on to look at the uh, character creation, it will develop you will get to learn more about it, right the third one and this is a bit of a contentious one, and it doesn't mean to sound um impolite there are there is um a strong fandom around uh Glowantha. And as we found out last time from Mob, it's the fans that really kept it going. Um, so it kept Glorantha going and it's the reason why um we've managed to get this new edition because you know they kept the spirit and idea of it um together and we we've we a lot to be grateful for. And a lot of those fans now occupy uh, some of the forums that you might go on in uh, social media, and I would normally say, as a game, you know, if there's anything into it. If you want to find out, um, if you find it, want to find out how your dishwasher works, it's a sensible to go on a uh, <laughs> online into on onto a support forum and say, you know, I want to put a pump in. How do I do it? The difficulty with uh, the and the fandom is that they are so steeped in the. Um, mythology and all the different contradictions and all the different um, ethnographic details that it it can knock you a bit sideways and I know that it did with me when I got back into uh, RuneQuest um, a few years ago. They don't mean to discourage you but you kind of think oh no I just do not know this. I just do not. I don't feel confident enough about Uh, Golantha because of the level of detail that they've provided
2: Um, but you also also get that thing as well with with that sort of approach to it where uh, it makes you wonder whether it stops becoming a setting for a role playing game because I think there is a distinction, in my mind there is a distinction between a fantasy world, a fictional fantasy world and a setting for a role playing game and I think Grilanth is a good example of where sometimes it's tipped into being a fictional fantasy world for some people rather than a role playing setting. Um, you know, because most of the great, it's a bit like um, Gareth Rada Anron said in, in a previous interview that fuzziness. I think you need a bit of fuzziness in a role playing setting so that people can feel that they have the elbow room to do their own thing the problem is if that setting becomes increasing like a very very detailed fictional fantasy world it becomes intimidating it's a bit like the problem we always had with middle earth role playing wasn't it that cuz middle earth is this literary setting with lots and lots of detail when we were role playing in it we always thought oh god i can't i can't do anything you know whereas what we liked about stormbringer was that the young kingdoms it's a bit vague and fuzzy in the novel, It's not. It's not documented anywhere, is it? No. It's just a vague stuff that you can put what you want in it. And I think that's the thing with with Galanter. It's like there is a, with some of the people, some of the stuff on the forums. It's like they, there's there's been a tipping point where it's become a fictional world rather than a setting for a role playing game. Because I think they are different things and they function yeah. in very different ways.
0: Well, I think it's because Galanthor um, exists beyond. RuneQuest now doesn't it? You know we mentioned the exactly, other games, exactly, yeah. 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 And that's there's other right, but there's other activity around it, isn't there? There's other yeah. fan activity around it, so that uh, you know people are inventing songs and that kind of thing. Um, it's a creative world-building exercise. And well, that's that- what
2: I mean, yeah. But I, but I do think that that can be a problem when you when you and what you've got to learn to do is rein it back from that as a games master and as players around your around your kitchen table on a Friday night or whenever you're playing it, you've got to be able to rein it back from that fictional world-building thing Yeah, in order for it to give you a bit of manoeuvrability and a bit of playability. You know, I do think there's like a sliding scale. There's, there is a point where it, it becomes unplayable if you go so far into it, have so much detail, that you feel you can't do anything.
0: Yeah, and and I think there was a point, uh, as I mentioned, that I put something on, I think it was a G uh, plus group, and, you know, people were starting talking about Israelian uh, hair s- dressing, so, you know, how women would have their <laughs> hair in particular ways or uh, something like that, or something to do with the longhouses and how they were arranged in different uh, cultures. I suppose what I'm saying in these early in these early sessions, when you first start, what you need to be bothered about is you know being in that moment, being in that moment with um, mm-hmm. the plunging the the spear into the auger's chest or into the groin of the yeah. wherever whichever hit location you roll, uh, rather than um, how people have their hair in a particular I, I, style. Yeah,
2: I, I agree, and that's that's my point. I think once you once people are writing detailed things about how people have their hair and how buildings are laid out in particular cultures. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that because that in itself is an imaginative exercise and that, that's, there's nothing wrong with it as such. But for a, a setting for a role-playing game, you've gone too far.
0: Your Glantha will vary. I think that hit home after this uh, bad experience when on Twitter the people who do uh, The King of Dragon Pass said, Well, you know, we've got this game that's very immersive, uses all the stories of uh, Dragon Pass, but we don't have Sartar. And, ah, right, you realise actually they've taken that out of their version of the story. And that, that, that is the most popular. You know, version of it out there yeah. uh, at, the, at this time, and the other thing is this idea of uh, having as much fun with it as you can. Go with it.
2: And if anyone if anyone criticises your character's hairdo because it's not accurate, don't listen to them. To, the, to a different hairdresser. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there will be time when you can do that when you feel more confident with it. But you know, if you want to start in Golantha, watch the Golden Voyage Sinbad. Hand out some pre gens pick an encounter, come back to a non-specific base, discover Glorantha together and uh, Bob's your auntie's living lover.
5: And, go. I swear,
2: and as well, I would add to that, don't feel that you ever have to know about those tiny, tiny, tiny details like hairdos, building layouts, basket weaving, this, that and the other. Don't, don't feel that, because that's, that's part of it, isn't it? Don't feel that you ever really have to know about those things. So it's not a case of getting into the game and at some point you will learn about all these other things. If you don't, it don't matter. It doesn't no. matter, does it? No. You don't have to. You know, no. you can you find your to. own level within it.
0: We're gonna come back and roll characters and we'll talk a little bit about that because I do think there's a place for some of the uh, uh the the different mythologies but we'll we'll come back to that uh, mm. in a moment. So we're just gonna um we're just going to break away for a moment. We're going to listen to some actual play. It's a sample from The Broken Tower, which I did with Baz, Gaz and Matt from the Smart Party podcast. And this is just a, a taster. Um, if you want to listen to the full one, uh, if you go over to the podcast, you'll find it. But here's a sample play. Hope you enjoy it.
2: Sounded, sounded like Johnny Walker then. Did I? I hope I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it. Whistling Bob Harris or something. (laughs) (laughs) The bro grey whistle
0: test. Diana Jones award-winning actual play. So the three of you have been travelling across country and you've reached this road, uh, still following the tracks of the cattle that have been stolen. Uh, But the tracks are starting to disappear because the rain is lashing down, drenching you as you're you're travelling. And it's an ancient road, and it? You can see the signs of uh, prior habitation. There are ruins at the side. And you come to notice that at the side of the roads, there seems to be stone menhirs that are broken. And there's one ahead that is the first that you've seen that seems to be fully formed. How big are these things? They come to waist height.
4: Um, and what uh, form does the the unbroken one look? Or is it too far away in the in the rain?
5: You'll need to uh, you'll need to approach it. Well, I'm going to use my warrior's caution, and while these two have been riding in the lap of luxury upon their beast, I've been using my Mark One sandals to make progress. <laughs> so I'm going to shuffle a little further forward and just give a bit of a gaze about, because I'm aware of these um, unkempt barbarians of these parts, and suspect there might be some kind of ambush or somebody watching us so i just want to have a, a scan about and see if i can see any heathens in the undergrowth awaiting us uh well roll scan and manually roll this is exciting yeah hey real dice, real dice
4: yeah no oh, one yeah. who knew
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah get a crackle again <laughs> uh, a, uh, 31 on a scanner of 65 so i'll succeed you look ahead and through the rain and the bluster you notice eyes
0: peering at you from above one of the ruined walls it seems dark skinned these eyes seem to duck down
5: and disappear and run north uh, i'll flick my uh short spear in the direction uh to point at this uh this figure and trust that my uh warrior-like companions understand what i mean as we've probably traveled together before sometimes there's people ahead but they seem scared as well, they might be, of puits warriors such as us. It, it's notable, this, because you've not seen anyone
0: for days.
3: All right, I'll, um, I'll stand up in the stirrups uh, astride my bison, which is probably starting to stink in this rain by now, but that's all right, mm. I, think I quite like it. Um, and I'll bellow through the rain a greeting in, in the language of the region, uh, and say, Hold fast, we're friends, we see, we mean you no harm, hold fast. Whoever it is seems to
0: run or dart onto the road, still running away from you, pell mell. Hmm. Uh, human, is it, or uh, what do they look like? Um, uh, human in scraps of clothing, but seems to be almost caked in mud, you know, generally unkempt.
4: All right, certainly not, seems not great
0: difficult to tell from the, this point mm-hmm. what you are aware of, you are aware of as well by the side of this uh, menher here is um, a satchel that's oh. been abandoned quite wow. right a well
5: I'll, I'll look at to harmast on his uh, lean limbed zebra mm. and suggest if you were uh, if you wish to chase down that fool, I'm not out you could you could catch it but uh,
4: well, I don't know if um, rushing in is always the the wisest course of action Perhaps, uh, perhaps he will stop running after a while. Uh, I, I think it's probably best just to sit, assess the situation, and, and make sure we understand all
5: the all the variables. Oh, I see, like a good noble, you wish to lead from the rear. I was used to that in New Peloria. Many of us <laughs> died while you poshed off, sat at the back giving orders. But don't worry, you be cautious. I'll lead the way. I'm used to it. I bear the scars enough.
4: Wonderful, an excellent idea, and I shall, uh, I shall maintain a, a high level view of the
5: situation. Yeah, do let us know of any strategical shifts, and I'll start like, <laughs> trudging through the mud towards this satchel and men here.
3: <laughs> you go for it, Luna, take care that the, uh, the lone tramp or the abandoned satchel doesn't ambush you.
5: <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, uh, it's like a thick-bodied woman with uh, a faceless head, wreathed in bands, and it's it looks like they've been positioned to stand watching over the road and you become aware when you come near get nearer to uh, get nearer to it, Vostar, that it seems to have like an ochre sulfurous smoke emitting from it.
5: Oh. Uh well I'll take note of the earth runes carved near the feet, and as that is one uh close to me as well. I'll say uh I'll say a prayer to the the lunar equivalent of um, an elder, whatever the Seven Mothers version of an Earth or Fertility Goddess is, uh, and then approach a bit closer. I mean, said my blessing, trusting that the uh, the Seven Mothers will protect me.
0: Okay, that sounds like a good call on your rune. So, if you uh, roll against um, the Earth rune that you've got there, I succeed the twenty-eight. Okay, so whatever happens, you're going to have plus twenty. So this sulfurous smoke seems to form into a woman wrapped in bandages. It steps forward and clutches your
4: face. Uh, What what have you found, uh, Vorstar? Something something interesting?
5: Mother, I (laughs) utter. Mother. Wonderful. Speak to me, mother.
0: It seems to be disembodied, this shape, and it starts to press her thumbs into your eyes okay. and is trying to enter your
5: head. Well, I am disinclined to allow this to happen. And <laughs> <laughs> wish it to is. retreat from the uh, spirit and force it out of my head.
0: Uh, you, Hamiston de Vassale, you can see this shape emerging. It's got... Diphonous ribbons and bandages wrapped around this huge shape uh, pushing herself into Vostas head it's trying to uh, engage in a combat with you um, um,
4: do do i do i recognize this spirit at all um I've got uh, cult law uh, Isaris being an an initiate do i am I able to identify it as a as a, some kind of cult spirit or can try and roll against that? All right. Uh I'm going to get a 52 out of 30,
3: so I don't think that's going to be terribly successful. I'm going to slam my helmet on my head, leap from the back of my bison and run screaming towards this banished monstrosity with a broadsword for the hell of it.
0: Okay, that sounds like good action. So, you can <laughs> you can actually um move forward round right, because this combat's going to take place at the end of the round. So, okay. your actions go first.
3: Nice. You you stride along and uh, roll with your sword. Okay, so uh, ninety percent in broadsword. So I guess I just rolled against that, right? And seventy to hit. Roll for damage. Okie dokie. Oh, that's not great. Uh, There wasn't much strength behind that. That's three damage. It's uh, (laughs) it's slippy. Yeah. Uh, So.
0: the sword passes uh, through uh, <coughs> the abdomen of the uh, of this strange creature. Can you roll your um, spirit combat, uh, Vostar? I think it's uh, forty five, isn't it? But you get the additional twenty because of the prayer you made. Indeed, and I get a roll of seventeen. You might manage to fight it off, and it seems to disappear
3: in a cloud. It wasn't. It didn't oh, have great strength. Solid bronze is always the answer. Luna, did it get in your head? Are you well? Can you speak, man? Talk to me.
0: (laughs) In those um, those brief moments, Foster, you saw images, images of an ancient time where the earth seemed to rise up and devour uh, chaos and trolls. And striding over this was a big, thunderous, calves and thighs of some monstrous woman bearing down on these creatures, and then you seem to snap out of it. You always wake up at the wrong time.
4: Just Blithy rolls!
0: Welcome to the room of role-playing rambling, where uh, we're just uh, rolling character. We've just done it, haven't we? We've come to the end of it. So the, no. last, the last bit, uh, Blithy, is... We've been,
2: been up here for six months. Holding <laughs> character. <Is> that... <laughs> It has it taken.
0: Like that. It has taken a bit longer than I was anticipating. Yeah, There's a delay just...
2: on the release of this podcast. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> it it was mean. good
0: fun though, wasn't it?
2: It, is it... good fun rolling characters. It's good fun. Sometimes fall out of the habit of rolling characters, don't you? Because back in the day, we would we would kind of it was done as a as a kind of group activity, wasn't it? Whereas now we we use we just say oh, well roll a character or we use use pre gens and that. Do you know what I mean? But it's kind of part of the game, really. That you yeah. you forget, don't you? You forget that it's. It's as much something it's as much fun as playing almost isn't it yeah yeah
0: well it's yeah. it's a bit like uh, I, I I think uh, Gaz from the smart party describes it as lonely fun you know when you open your your garret <laughs> and you, it all? yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you're in your garret and creating something from yes. tables and uh, things but yes. yeah yeah it yeah, yeah, yeah. has taken yeah. slightly longer than uh, anticipated hmm. so what what's the name that you've settled on uh, I've gone for
2: I've gone for Farnan Farnan son of Jirang, Olimar tribal fella from Sartar yeah well that's the default setting isn't it
0: yes. and I think we've said haven't we um earlier that you know you don't really need to get enmeshed into the uh, rich background as a default setting uh, around Dragon Pass and Sartar with the different conflicting tribes and clans, it does make it more interesting when you get into that and inevitably in this game you'll want to know something more about the gods of Golantha and your character's relationship with them
2: Yes, and Cause... I think it's fair to say as well rolling rolling the character does give you a lot of, it gives you a background and it gives you a taste of Golantha doesn't it, because it you build your character's family history, don't you? When one of the things that you do, yeah, one of the things is quite time consuming, but it kind of pairs off because Shall it gives j- you a insight into it.
0: So, just uh, have a talk through uh, Farnan then and how we uh, went about creating him. So, as you yeah. say, first of all, first off, you have to choose your homeland, and you went for uh, Dragon Pass, yes. Um, and there are advantages to choosing Dragon Pass because you know, part of the, and and Mob mentions this, part of the good thing about uh, Glorantham is the fact that um, it's not about good and evil, it's about, there's kind of a moral relativism isn't there, depending on your association with things that are happening in the world and that's what makes it rich and interesting so picking a background like uh, uh, Sartar where some of the conflicts are not very clear are they, some Some of the bad things that people are doing are actually for a greater good.
2: Yeah, yeah, it it is. It's kind of sort of like conflicting tribes and conflicting loyalties and things. And wherever you're positioned, that informs what you think of the world. And I suppose what you think of as good and bad. I mean, there, there are. There are bad things in Golantha. There's chaos in there, and yeah. than, Thanatar and Malia and horrible cults like that. You know that you've got, which is a bit more clean cut. But within within the tribes and within the different associations nations, and things. Like yeah, that. you've got you've got like pet, petty kind of rivalries, haven't you, between tribes and things yeah. like that? And you, what what role in your family history does is position you within that? world in terms of what you like and you don't like and what's been done to you what's been done to your family and to get a sense of uh, this is a good idea if you can to
0: have a game of uh, king of dragon pass because it'll give you an idea of those uh, mm. different tribes and the associations between them so you start with your your grand
2: grandparent so, yeah, it's a bit like, at, at first glance, it, you think of it, it's like it's like Traveller, isn't it? You know, you're doing that kind of life path creation, aren't you? But yeah. it's it's a bit deeper than that, isn't it? Because, yeah, you, you start off with you, you pick a favoured grandparent, uh, and I pick grandmother. Yeah, your maternal grandmother, didn't maternal you? Maternal grandmother, yeah. And you roll, don't you, for events in their life. So the, well, the most significant event I rolled was she was killed in the Bold Home campaign.
0: Yeah, well, she, she kind of kept her head down, didn't she, for a while? She kept uh, head down, hoped to blow over. No, didn't.
2: <laughs> she got killed in Boldome.
0: Yeah, yeah. She gave birth. um yep. to your mother, and uh... right,
2: look, yeah, that it's quite crucial that she did that. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been a, a pretty short character creation process, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she fought. She was it say, here? she fought in the Holy Country. Yeah. My grandmother, my paternal grandmother gives birth to my mother, but then you pick a favourite parent, which is my father. Yeah. Who presumably is Durang, as I am, yeah. son of Durang. And, he, yeah, he had normal year, normal year, and then he fought in the Strawberry Rebellion, and then the following year he, he died, although he wrote cause of death. And cause of death is uh, unknown. He disappeared. He's presumed dead, isn't he? He's missing he's presumed, presumed dead. He may he's, not be dead. He's going to turn up. He's gonna... Of course he is. Any games master worth his salt. Yeah. And I, I even include you in that. Uh, would, <laughs> would, would make him turn up. I am your father. Yeah. And, and then... it's good. It's good, isn't it? Because it, it gives you yeah, it just that thing, isn't it? It gives you a bit of a, a bit of flavour, a bit of background, which is quite good, I think. Quite interesting. It's good. And
0: and then when it gets to you as an adventurer, um so even mm. before you know your characteristics or what Kind of, uh, yes, calibre yes.
2: you are as a person. And I think that's that's an important point, isn't it? That, that yeah, this this all takes place before you've rolled your three d six and yeah, you yeah. know your stats and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um...
0: uh, and what happens when it becomes when it gets to hero? So you're rolling the events. Um, yeah. It become it escalates quite a bit, doesn't it? Because you get adds. Plus to the tables and
2: the tables... Yeah, once you get, you get to your history, yeah, that's right. So you roll about... There's about three, four, four years that you roll before you start adventuring because he witnessed... So, for example, he witnessed the dragon rise yeah. and that fed into one of his passions, which is a fear of dragons. Yeah. So, it, for, yeah, it, when you roll your history, are quite significant because they, they do. They kind of mould your character and give you these things called passions, which are views of the world expressed as a percentage. Yeah. So, for it, example... Let's, let's I, I, I think
0: it's a way of expressing formative experiences have shaped who you are as a character. Yes. And yeah. they're your drives, aren't they? And I believe it's uh, an idea that comes from uh, mm. Pendragon, that yes. idea of you know the, your heritage has informed your outlook in the world. Yeah. And the way that that works mechanically is that you can draw on those passions mm. and to
2: increase your chances of doing things when
0: it's relevant. Um, you
2: kind of use, You can use those in the game, can't you? So he's got, for example, one of his passions is love of his family, 60%. So if your family was being attacked or you were negotiating on behalf of your family, you you can try and add 20% to a skill by rolling under the 60% passion that you've got. That's the way they work in game terms. Yeah,
0: and if you get a special against that uh, argument using the passion, you can increase it by 50% because you come particularly inflamed with um, that passion.
2: Yes, so it's two. It, it yeah, yeah. It kind of works in two ways, doesn't it? In, in one sense, it gives you a feel for what's important to your character. So, just in pure role-playing terms, you've got a picture of what matters to them. But you've also got tacked on it a mechanic that that influences the game itself and the dice rolls. Yeah, it's quite it's nice. I do like. I do like it. It's yeah. a really good. Good addition to, to the system. Actually, there's another
0: dimension to it as well as that. As a Games master you can have intrusions against your passion, so you can get challenged against your passion. Yes, yes So if okay. you work in a way that contradicts uh, one of your mm. passions, so, for example, your um, love of your family, your loyalty towards your family, if you start to contradict that as a games master, you, you can challenge it. You. you can say, well, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to use this passion um, to uh, intervene. Yes,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know when we when we played the quick starter, my character had some passions, and they were, yeah, they, they're a good idea. They it give you a sense of of playing the role? You know, which is always important, I think. In these, and particularly in Grantham, because again, it it gives you a sense of how you fit into the world and what you think about the world that you're that you're in. Yeah, you know, and, and it's useful for that. Like you say, not. Like we said earlier, not a wading in. It's not like you have to wade into it, but it's a good way of dipping your toe into it because it gives you some ideas to explore about why you feel the way you feel about certain things.
0: So the next stage is about your runic association. So this is your affinity towards oh, yes, yes. the different forces and how uh, the gods and uh, their conflicts leak into the world and to you as a character and how they have influence over you as a character. Now, yes. personally, this is my favourite element because uh, we've said on, on numerous occasions when we've tackled RuneQuest on numerous occasions, uh, we uh, <laughs> about how you know magic magic is fundamental to Golantha and to RuneQuest, but mm-hmm. in some ways it it's never really worked effectively previously. And I do think that having these runic associations yes. does give you a genuine feel for how. Uh, how they can have an influence over you as a character?
2: Yes, yeah, and they work a bit like passions, don't they? They work in a similar way, in that you uh you end up with percentages next to certain runes that give you a sense of which runes are influencing you. So you know, yeah, this disorder, illusion, death, all those kind of things. You you have associations with them to greater or lesser extents, which again. Yeah. Well, it's just, I suppose it's like, it's like more or less your kind of personality, isn't it? Really, that's yeah. what it's that's what it's kind of in very crude terms. It's a bit more than that. But if you want to be a bit crude about it and explain it to someone who didn't really know what the hell runic associations were, so you might have loyalty to your family, but the rune tells you how you approach that loyalty and how yeah. you would how you would deal with that loyalty. You know, so
0: there's, there's essentially two. Uh, principal types of rune, aren't there? There's the elemental rune, which is, mm. you know, uh, darkness, air, earth, water, moon, yes. fire. Yeah. Uh, and you choose which of those are the predominant ones. There's usually like three uh, that you choose. Yeah, cho- there's, there's three
2: and, and one, uh, one depending where you come from, because so, he's from Sartar uh, and, you know, Cult of our lamp, the, the god of the wind and the air, is is quite prevalent. Then that that's kind of bumped up a bit, isn't it? Yes, it's kind of so. There's, it's not pre it's not pre ordained what which runes you get, but it, it leads you in a particular direction. To some yeah, extent. And,
0: and and I suppose that's influenced by the homeland that you choose. So depending on yeah. your different background, that might uh, be different. Yeah. But it's the power runes that I think are very interesting yeah. because they balanced against each other, so fertility and death. A yes. total of a hundred percent distributed yeah. between the two, and the two things are in conflict harmony yes. and disorder, truth and delusion, mm. uh, man and beast, status and movement they are the they, they add those those two runes add up to a hundred percent, and depending on yes. the choices yeah. you make will tip the balance yeah, and what I like about it, like unlike some games where you make these kind of choices. You can have contradictory elements to your character. Yes, yeah. because I find sometimes when you make these choices, you end up going down one track. You know, so yes, he's a hot-headed character. Therefore, you know, these this will inform all the choices I make. But in some ways, by having all these different elements, you can have a very contradictory character. So on the one hand, somebody who is, you know, in tune with the air, but also very balanced, uh, and believes yeah, in yeah, harmony. Yeah
2: yeah. yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's like the old problem with with alignment, isn't it? Of it, it takes you down a particular road, and everyone ends up the same. Everyone who's chaotic good ends up like Robin Hood, yes. that kind of thing, isn't it? Where where it, it does, it allows for a little more subtlety, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. it, I think what's good about it is it, it. You don't have to be subtle about it if you didn't want to be. So if you wanted to create a rather extreme character, you can do. Yeah. But at the same time, you're right. It doesn't necessarily have to be like that. Whereas some some systems do push you in a particular direction um, and make everyone a, a bit the same. In some, you know, in this in that respect, there's not yeah. much subtlety in it. But there is there is a degree of subtlety to it, which is quite nice.
0: Broadly, the rest of the character creation is much similar to what's in RuneQuest Two. Um, yes. To yeah, roll. the set, the
2: game the game system and the stats and all that stuff. I mean there will there weren't two nice differences but um the, the basic principles of it are exactly the same, aren't they? Yeah. You know, you've still still got strike rank and you've still got criticals and you've still got all, all that,
0: hit locations. You roll the characteristics in the same way as you do uh um, back in the old system. Kind of encouraging you to make sure that you don't have a duff character by, you know, suggesting you re roll when it's very well, they, they
2: have, haven't they? They've thrown out what I like to call the Rurik principle, haven't they? <laughs> which, which is a source of some bitterness between us. It is, yes. Yeah. You had to bring that up, didn't you? I had to bring the Rurik thing up, because it, it, it really annoyed me in the second edition of RuneQuest where he, Rurik the Restless, yeah, Rurik the Clumsy it should have been, it got, <laughs> rolled a dexterity of four. It always gets three, four. And whenever we roll characters and I rolled a duff stat, you'd always say, well, Rurik had a dexterity of four and he did up. Yeah. And I used to simmer a bit because I'd rolled a four in constitution. <laughs> it's not quite the same, is it? Uh. But they do they do kind of acknowledge that, I think. I, it's a problem, isn't it, this? I'm not sure it really works, because the, the principle we adopted when I rolled this character uh, is they say you roll 3d6, apart from apart from intelligence and size, which is 2D6, 2d6 plus 6. You roll 3d6, and if you roll a one, you can roll it again. Now, that seems, on the face of it, quite generous, doesn't it? But uh, look what we've got here—a power of seven. I'm—I'm I'm no expert with probability, but do you know what? If you roll, roll a one and re-roll it, do you know what you can roll? You can roll a two. <laughs> and do you know what? A two. I'm not—I'm not a mathematician, far from it. But two's not much better than one. I, so I, I, I think—I
0: I think that low power gives your character a sense of flavour, uh, in that it's a sense of doom.
2: <laughs> I suppose, yeah.
0: And. Uh, I don't like to say this, but Rurik did all right, didn't he? Ended he, did right, didn't he ended up being a runel. He did all
2: right, didn't he? He ended up being a runel, didn't he? Or did he? Or did he? Did, did he? Did he really play him properly? Or is it just some fiction they invented for the rules? I think we should be told. No, i minute. it. Anyway, we'll move on before I get too uh, bitter. <laughs>
0: the, the, the rest of the steps are really about distributing points onto the skills, aren't they? So occupation and uh, culture... Yeah. And some additional skill boosts. So yeah. that's very familiar from um RuneQuest 3, but also uh, the element of it is a lot like uh, Call of Cthulhu, isn't it? That you've got certain a certain yeah. set, uh, number of points that you can allocate depending yeah. on uh, the occupation you choose and some of the choices that you make.
2: Yeah, that's right. That and That's quite good as well because yeah. it, it does that. It It, it brings in... That thing of, of of a career path and a, life, and a life history that does make you a bit better—not brilliant, but a bit better than you know. You're not yeah. you're not you're not going to be sitting there with 15% attack no. with your battle axe. You're going to you might have 40% or something yeah. as a beginning, and, which is a bit better, is a bit more realistic.
0: Yeah, and you and you'll pick up other percentage points from your background as well. So as you're rolling, yes. you pick up yeah, additional yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. And pieces. So. Yeah. But there are just a, there's a couple of other nice touches, though. One one thing I I really really liked is that I mean I don't like it because I rolled a charisma of eight, but objectively I do like it that uh, spirit magic uh, the number of spells you can have is dictated by charisma rather than intelligence or anything else. Yeah. and I think that's quite a nice touch because charisma in in role playing generally charisma is the kind of duff stat, isn't it? Where no one really cares about charisma, uh, and I think that was particularly true in Room Quest because um, it never seemed to matter much. But actually, that that makes it matter a lot, doesn't it? Because if yeah. if like my character, you've got a charisma of eight, that that's a problem because you're only going to be able to carry eight points of you know eight points of spirit magic in your head, aren't you? Yeah. Which is not that much, so you're going to be limited in terms of magic, and I, and I think that's that's kind of a nice touch, really. The
0: very act of uh, creating this character has got me going, and wanting to play the
2: game. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, it does. I think it does. I think it. I, I mean, I, I think it, it does anyway. But whilst we've we've said. People have this anxiety about getting into Golantha. I think if you're if you're familiar with RuneQuest and if like us you played it a lot in the past and you are familiar with Golantha, I think you'll really like that character creation because we did, didn't we? We like it because oh, yeah. it, it kind of pushes lots of buttons about Golantha and gives you a sense of belonging to it. Which in the old game you you had to find your way through it as a character, but in this you've given a bit in advance, aren't you?
0: I I need to make a confession before I go.
2: Oh, oh, go on!
0: I've done an impulsive thing where I bought a load of paraphernalia that I'm not sure <laughs> I need.
2: <laughs> That's not like you, is it? <laughs> well, what for you bought? Come on. Tell well, judge blindly. Tell judge blind. Now you tell me what you bought, and I'll tell you whether you need it or not. Go on. Yeah,
0: you've got your civvies on, so I can. I feel I can open up to you when you're like this.
2: Yes, you. you like I say you tell me, and I'll tell you whether you need it.
0: Right. Well, first up. The key have brought out some uh, dice, um, some RuneQuest dice. So I've ordered them. Why yeah.
2: the RuneQuest dice? Explain. Yeah,
0: because they've got runes on them, and they've all. But they've also got, they've also got uh, supplementary dice, some additional dice, which you've got um, hit locations on as well. So,
2: well, you see, the trouble is, you you know twelve's chest, you know, you know that, <laughs> don't you? You know, you know that. Temple's oh, abdomen, you know that. Why do you need it? You know, we you know it.
0: They're really big, it's really big as well, but it looks really good. A turquoise one I've got. <laughs> but, I,
2: that's quite good. I, no, I, I pretend the, I don't like these things, but I, I, it's, yeah.
0: And and the other bit of paraphernalia, it's arrived today Infinity Engine, cool. and it's a, a <laughs> it's a strike rank tracker. What? It's a strike rank tracker.
2: What do you need one of
0: them for? To track the strike, I think.
2: Why, why do you
0: need to track it? <laughs> I must you, admit. Wait,
2: wait, 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 no, wait, no. You see, is that is, that for, is it for inquest? Is it the right game you play? <laughs> I mean, the, I get the hit location dice. All right, that's that's kind of. I'll end up buying one of those. I know. I know now. I will. I say I still won't, but I will. I know I will. Next games convention, I might see one. That'll be it. Yeah. Uh, but I still need strike rank.
0: Tracker. I was I was agnostic about it. I must admit that when I heard about it, I thought you don't need a strike rank tracker because you know you just write it in front of you. You, you strike rank when you do anything. And, and yeah. I've always said this that I'm a bit of a a big chunker when it comes to strike rank. I don't believe in getting into the individual phases. I just I say what happens at the beginning, sort out what order people do things in the middle and yeah. some things you might do at the end That's yeah. that's the way that it's organised in my brain but you've you can, you just look at this look at this it's a beautiful thing it's a, a wooden wooden thing with runes on it how, how could you not enjoy having that and i've got well, tokens as well i've got some tokens and these well, when have,
2: we when we played and Next time we play, we can use that, can't we? And then you'll see why well, you don't need it.
0: <laughs> I will, but I'll use it. I mean, I will lose bits of it, but that's
2: by the <laughs> by. But like the, a uh, cribbage board? What's going on? <laughs> like a and cribbage board. Yeah, but it's beautiful. You know if, what cribbage is, by the way? You've
0: all, <laughs> I don't know what cribbage is. No, I no, no idea what it is, but apparently you play with
2: the board. You may not. It's, it's
0: something my granddad used to play. But. They've also have <laughs> also got these uh, uh, argument tokens, so when you choose to um cast a spell or invoke a spell, there's all these look at them, they're beautiful little tokens with
2: runes on them and everything. Oh look at they put runes on everything, don't they? They have, yeah. Stick someone in marketing's got us stick a rune on it.
0: Stick a rune on it, yeah.
2: Got this, I've got this tracker thing from Feng Shui, Just stick runes on it. <laughs> sell it for
0: good people. It, it's very easy to be it's very easy to be cynical, but it is a nice <laughs> yeah. thing to have.
2: It's a nice <laughs> thing to have. Why do but, people have a problem with strike rank? People does it does it bamboozle people in some way?
0: There's some some people get it down to the minutiae, don't they, of mm-hmm. what you're doing in phases. It's that thing where uh, to me it's a turn order, but also Yeah 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 yeah. Also there's this thing of Uh, some people getting to think of what you can do in a round. But that's a secondary function of it, isn't it?
2: I think Strike Rank and RuneQuest generally are much simpler when you've got a couple of players, because there's a lot of dice rolls and there's quite a lot going on in combat. Um, But I suppose if you had five or six players and six or seven adversaries that they were fighting yeah I, I joking apart, I, maybe you can see why you might want something like that because it might get very, very complicated about, particularly when people change their action in a round and go from hitting someone with a broadsword to casting a spell to yeah. doing something else. so I, I suppose it, it you know our our perspective of it is is based on it being relatively few players and NPCs acting whereas if it, if it's bigger, than that it can get a bit tricky I suppose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's a nice thing to have on the table.
2: It's Sla- a nice day. well it made you feel better now. I've said that's that's you you can have that. You keep it off, send it back. Yeah. No, it's like, I'm not i gonna be like your dad and say, what's this rubbish? Send it back. Get your money back. You might need it when you've got lots and lots of players.
0: Well I'm gonna head on to the uh Glorantha Forums now. Um <laughs> You should have told everyone not to do that. <laughs> Why are you doing that? I need to work out how to get this uh, pump out of my dishwasher.
2: <laughs> you bought one of those practicing dishwashers again. <laughs> telling you about that. but like the right. lunar TV. Work. <laughs> you can see the moon on it.
0: Till next time. Adios. Adios. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks to Mob for his enthusiastic contribution to this episode. I know that many of you enjoyed the first part. It was a great chat. Thanks, Mob. Of course, another way of discovering RuneQuest is to find someone who's playing it and giving it a go. At the Owl Bear and Staff in Royal Leamington Spa at the end of September 2018, I'll be running a new yet unpublished adventure, Darnus at RuneGate, by grog squadder Rich August. And very good it is too. Rich will be running it himself, at grogmeet now both of these events are sold out but if you make a note in your diaries of the 12th of april 2019 that's the day to the next virtual Grog meet. i promise to run some rune quest then virtual grogmeet was a real success last time as it introduced lots of people to online play for the first time but that's a long time off and i'm currently in negotiations to attend Dragon Meat 2018 in that fancy London and I'll run a game there but at the moment it's uh, 60-40 of a no deal but that could change depending on my backstop position Grog Meat, Virtual Grog Meat and this podcast is only possible thanks to the generous crowdfunding of the Grog Squad via Patreon the Grogzine is in pre-production and we're adding the Collected Daily Dwarf Volume Three, and the first ever Judge Blythe's Book of Judgments, and to get that you need to be a patron from the end of November 2018 to January 2019, when the hard copies will be sent to you wherever you are in the world. Check out the grognardfiles.com for more details soon. Thanks to new patrons, I'll give individual shoutouts next time as I'm running out of tape on this uh, C90. Now, grab a brew and a hobnob, as before we go, I wanted to finish on a highlight from the past 38 podcasts. Now, I asked the grow Squad for their favourite moment so far. So, was it the OPEN BOX insights from a variety of guests creating a contextual background like the Dead Sea Scrolls from 1980s gaming? No, 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 no. It wasn't that. Was it Eddie? Eddie, on the money, bargain hunting tips. No, 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 no. It wasn't that. Was it the Diana Jones award-winning actual play samples that we provide? That's how that works, isn't it? Diana Jones thing. If you do an actual play, then you're an award winner. So, nope, no, 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 no. Was it the forensic examination of the best of White Dwarf written with such wit and verve by at Daily Dwarf from Twitter? No, 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 no. Nope, it wasn't that. Over 50 hours of painstakingly compiled gold and the highlight they chose was this bobbins. There it goes, go Just by the rules. Welcome to the room of Roleplaying Rambling, where I'm joined by my learned friend, Just Blithe, Fingering is.
2: <laughs> Fingering? What? <laughs> where are that, you going, again? then? <laughs> right. I never agreed to that. <laughs>
5: Judge Blythe, rules.
0: Welcome to the room of role playing rambling, where I'm joined by my learned friend Judge (laughs) Blythe.
2: You would give up? Oh dear me! You've got to come on. Finger (laughs) it. Stop saying finger Stop saying it. Stop saying that. Don't say thing. finger in what i thinking.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <Hang on. laughs> right.
5: Uh-huh. <sighs> Adios, amigos.